Hello, everybody. I'm Father Peter Muzzin. I'm Scott Powell. And this is The Word on the Hill. And we're in the Lanky Guys. It is. And you're you. It is really, I, I have to say, so I just got back from a tour. Um, the, I, did, I did a West Coast tour. <laughs> it was awesome. With, you with your band? Me and my band. We did a West, nice. we got the band back together. We were on a mission from God. Nice. So um, I was on a West Coast tour, and I have to say that um, people really like the Lanky Guys. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, like, and well. I also did an East Coast tour the week before that for Stevie Wonder. I mean, like, this is the thing. You and Stevie Wonder did an East Coast tour? <laughs> we did. Yeah. I am so impressed with our listeners. Like, I actually think that we have some of the highest caliber listeners going. I mean, Exclusively. And, I mean, absolutely. <clears throat> Anybody can listen to... Um, I don't know some of them other podcasts, but not everybody can listen to our podcast. And the people no, who do listen no, to our podcast, no, no, not everybody can listen to this podcast. <laughs> that is for sure. They're quite adept. I um, they're quite something. I just am just loving it. So, yeah. um, thank you for listening and tuning in, y'all. Like you inspire us. Um, you are the, the <clears throat> our havarim is really uh, rich. You are the wind beneath our wings. You are the wind beneath my wings. I can't remember the, the tone to that song, the tune to the tone. You are the wind beneath. Well, I'm did not going to sing it. I think I sang that at my eighth grade graduation along with the rose. I did too. <laughs> oh, we sang the wind beneath my wings at, the, at my eighth grade graduation. Some say love. Uh, no, wrong it one. Is wrong one. River. We sang both of those. Oh, we didn't do that one. Yeah, dude, we we were more. We were pretty sweet. So we only had one. Okay. I uh, I just am. Um, this is ridiculous. You know what happens is that we have people all the way from the, who work at the USCCB at the Catholic Conference Bishops. Oh no. Yeah, we've got people who listen there. We've got people in every state and phase of life. We, yeah. We've got bishops who listen to us. We've. Oh, I mean, like, so what's up to the bishops? Bishops. We think that you're awesome. Bishops. Especially you're, if you listen to the Lanky Guys. Well, then you're going to be a better bishop, I assume. And so uh, if your bishop doesn't listen to it, send them a link to the Lanky Guys. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here we go. I know. It's, <clears throat> okay. One of those things, just imagine, friends, that you had the opportunity every week to speak to 4,000 people. Mm. You would think that uh, you would get nervous. You'd be better prepared. Yeah, (laughs) I wasn't going to say that because we're prepared. No, we're prepared. Wasn't the right word. I know. You'd think you'd just be more professional. You'd think that you wouldn't be such a jamoke. But guess what? If you're us, you're not. So today is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Is that the best title for a Sunday? It's like the absolute best title. The solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. King of the Universe. Dude, like it's not it's not just Christ the King anymore. No. no, this is the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. Well, you don't want anybody trying to usurp another galaxy or something. <laughs> you just say he's the yeah, king. Yeah, yeah, king dude. of what? You didn't declare, you know, that star cluster over there. But I no, do. He's the king of all of it. I do have to say that it really reminds me of um, Masters of the Universe. He man, and I think there's an icon of Jesus on top of Mount Grayskull, with a <laughs> sword in his hand. Have you not seen that one? No, are you oh, really? It's, like it's Brizantine. It's <laughs> it's Brizantine. Brizantine. It, those are those are Byzantines who live uh, in Brazil. 
Brizantines. Brizantines. Oh, this is ridiculous. All right. So our readings for the Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, <laughs> are coming from, our first reading is from Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 11 through 12 and 15 through 17. Dude, I didn't read the intermeeting verse, did you? You know what I read? What'd you read? I read the first two chapters preceding this. Dude. Because that's what I want to talk about. Well, welcome to the next level, people. No, I just really read the whole chapter of 34. Okay. You don't understand. 11 through 17 doesn't make any sense without 1 through 10. More on that soon. Okay. So, uh, responsorial psalm, we have Psalm 23, which is like the psalm everybody knows. Oh, I was going to make a joke about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. What, what are you going to make a joke about? The psalm that I'm sure none of you know. <laughs> As it was about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Like uh, Everybody then, knows that the Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I shall want. Now you know what we're talking about. Um, so we have so, uh, verses one to two, two to three, five to six. Yep. Four got totally oh, eliminated. Poor four. poor four. And two showed up twice. <laughs> whoop, so, whoop. Whoop, what? Uh, then we have our second reading from 1 Corinthians chapter five, 15, rather. That's a big jump. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 26, and then randomly thrown in verse 28. Which is funny, because I didn't read 27. How did I, dude, I thought I, <laughs> talk about, you're like prepared. You read several chapters, and and like, I'm I'm excited. So Yeah, we're excited. The gospel, which is like the best. Yeah. But it's <laughs> it's it's very uh, uh, provocative. Pro, mm. pro, pro, provocative. 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 A provocateur is someone who provokes. Yeah, yeah. So this is provocative, but in like... Jesus is the provocateur. He provokes. In this particular story. And this is Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Of the universe! <laughs> There's a lot of reverb on that. <laughs> Somehow. Oh, well, I have to say, before we get before we like totally 100% jump in, this is the end of ordinal time. Oh, it is, because next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so what is this Sunday? This is the last Sunday of ordinary time. Wrong. It's the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow. I, it doesn't get old. I've, no. I just love it. it um, so so it, it really is It is nothing. This week is nothing, but the it's like the height of... We've been counting on this for a while, because as we've said before at the podcast... Um, ordinal means counting. It means first, second, third, fourth, right, not, not one, two, three, four. It's not four. ordinary, like, I'll uh, take a vanilla ice cream with nothing on it. Dude, but that can be really I delicious. I love vanilla ice cream. Okay, bad example. I know, but that's that's what everybody thinks. It's like I'll white bread. A, I'll take a pretzel with no salt. <laughs> no, that's lame, right? Dude, no, that's anyway, horrible. You slice it. Okay. Anyway, you slice it's that. It's not that. I, I really would like. Don't do it. I really would like a bun with no hamburger, please. <laughs> <laughs> and no sesame seeds on that bun. Yeah, Rever reverse paleo diet, <laughs> dude. Isn't that? <clears throat> wasn't there like a carb diet there where you just carb oh, loaded? Oh. Was has a Hast Hastings diet or something? I don't know. I don't know where it is. the Musset diet, dude. <laughs> no, I don't like bread, man. I think you don't bread, like bread. No. Or vinegar. So everyone send Father a bottle of vinegar. Oh, my gosh. No, don't. It and would really destroy him, and he'd be mad at me, and then we'd have a bad relationship, no, it would, and the podcast would get worse. And it, it's, it's bad. There's a lot of bad consequences for that. Yeah. So let's check it. Let's hang out with some Zeke. Like, what's going on with Zeke oh, here? Oh, Zeke B. Um, <laughs> Zeke B. <laughs> um, Ezekiel. Ezekiel. <coughs> so we were just in Ezekiel, what, two weeks ago? Remember he talked about the... Uh, 
the I, th- I think we I think we were in Isaiah two weeks ago. No, it was the Feast of Saint John Lateran. Was that two, yeah? Was that three weeks ago? Oh yeah, and then then it was Isaiah, and then I think it was Isaiah, and then stop mm, saying Isaiah. <laughs> I know, just kidding. It was Ezekiel. Ezekiel was on the ninth. I know. I just yeah, wanted to make of, I just yes. wanted to make a joke because I can't handle them anymore. Isaiah. I, oh, oh, I see. I get the joke now. <laughs> this is really funny. Okay, thanks for laughing. <laughs> I really appreciate that. No, so Zeke. So our boy Ezekiel. Um, Ezekiel, remember, was um, living during the time that Babylon was destroyed by the Babylonians, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Rome. No, not Rome. Not. Ba- oh, man. I'm a little under the weather, and the oregano oil you gave me is making everything weird. Father Pedro gave me this stuff called oregano oil, and everything in my mouth tastes like a... <laughs> Like pizza second pl- second tier down te- pizza place, which is we were talking about one up in Netherland that's like above a Safeway. <laughs> if where- you guys have ever been to the <laughs> pizza shop in Netherland, Colorado, above the grocery store, that's what my mouth tastes like exclusively. So, <laughs> anyway, so Ezekiel, um, he was watching Jerusalem be destroyed by the Babylonians during the you know the the big judgment when when everything is lost. Um, he begins the book, so he's actually taken in one of the first round of exiles, right? So he watches from Babylon, where he was actually put to work. So he watches these images, these visions of the temple being destroyed and all these things happening. So that's sort of the first part of the book. The second part of the book talks about, as do all the prophets. We talked about this with Isaiah all the time, right? It's yeah. it's not specific to Isaiah. It's the theme of all the prophets. There's punishment and there's reconciliation. There's, yes. there's destruction and there is rebuilding yeah. and, and consolation. So... Second part of the book is all about consolation. That's what that passage a couple of weeks ago about the temple was. That even though you've seen the temple be destroyed, God's going to rebuild it, and it's going to be like nothing else you've ever dreamed of. It's going to be so much greater. God only allows destruction to happen so that He can rebuild. Yeah. In every aspect of our lives. So right before that, so this comes right before that in chapter thirty-four, is um, this little chapter about shepherds. And before we can really understand what Ezekiel is saying in the passage that we have, I think we got to read what comes before it. So I I just want to read this. It says, uh, this is chapter... Yeah, what chapter? What? Chapter 34. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm there. I'm with you. I'm hearing you. I'm listening. Okay. So chapter 34, shepherds and sheep. Um, Which part do I want to read? There's so much good stuff here. Well, it starts by saying, the word of the Lord came to me and said, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So this begins... <laughs> King of the universe. King of the universe. <laughs> um, so it begins as a prophecy against the shepherds. So who are the shepherds in Israel, do you think? Uh, the shepherds, uh, the... Uh, the. I think there's more than one answer. Yeah, I mean, you have the scribes of Pharisees. I mean, well, who aren't but- totally around yet by this point. Yeah, the Pharisees are a they're Priest, a political priestly party. caste. Yeah, the, that's that's one part. I think those are the shepherds for sure. Okay. Who else? Well, I mean, they've been in exile. No, not yet. Oh, yeah, not quite yet. I don't know that they're they're on their way to exile. But whose fault is it that they went out into exile? I don't know. I can't remember. You do know. I do, but I can't remember. Well, it's the king. Oh, oh, the yeah, oh I that mean, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean. It, it's the leaders of Israel. Who are the shepherds? The shepherds are the leaders. So yes, the priests are part of that. Later on in Jesus' time, the Pharisees will apply that term to, to themselves. Yeah. Um, but really, more than anything else, the king. So it, this theme of a king being like a shepherd, you know, goes all the way back to David, who was the shepherd boy, and then he shepherded Israel, and you know that whole image. So if you've been reading Ezekiel carefully, and you know the signs of the times, what he's been telling you the story of 
is the kings who basically, so all of Israel had fallen to sin, right? That, that's true. And they had abandoned the covenant, but the king who represented them kept making really bad decisions. And actually, if you, if you go way back, do you remember the whole story of why Babylon destroys them in the first place? It's actually kind of fascinating if you if you if you retrace the steps. Yeah, I don't. This I is don't, a side note, but I don't it's interesting. Know this, yeah. So way back, do you remember when Assyria? So when the Northern Kingdom was destroyed, Assyria came to try to destroy Jerusalem as well, and there was that whole story of King Hezekiah, who has that miraculous recovery, and he sort of embodies the attack and all these things. And Hezekiah is known to be this very good, righteous king. And he witnesses this miraculous intervention where God spares them from being destroyed by the Assyrians. Okay. And so he's like, this is great. And Isaiah, this is in Isaiah. Isaiah tells him that, okay, this is great, but, but look out because there's another threat on the horizon. Just like you were saved physically from this illness that was supposed to kill you, you're going to have a, a, um, a respite for a little bit, but there, it's going to come back. So beware, there's more threats on the horizon. And he basically says, oh, okay, whatever. I, you know, whatever you, whatever you say, Isaiah. And he gets really friendly. I mean, it's crazy. If you read in Isaiah, he has this miraculous recovery. The city is saved. The nation has been spared by God. Unbelievable. And then he puts in a phone call to this new up-and-coming nation called Babylon. He says, hey, do you guys want to come down to Jerusalem and visit us? And he basically brings the leaders of Babylon, who, again, are this little upstart nation, and he says, we want to be, um, what do you call it, allies with you guys. So look at all of our storehouses. Look at our riches. Look at our wealth. Look at all the gold that we have. Don't you want to be friends with us? And Babylon's looking like, oh, yeah, you do have a lot of valuable stuff, don't you? Mm. And then, lo and behold, because what's happening, though? I mean, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with political allies and all that stuff. But what Israel's doing and what their king is doing is putting his trust in himself and his political friendships and his power over God. God saved them from the Assyrians. God intervened miraculously. God spared his life. Not the Babylonians, not the Egyptians, not any political ally that they have. Right. God and God alone. So it's, in a certain sense, the fact that they're here is the fault of the kings who represent them. Yeah. But so he's giving this word against the shepherds, the kings, the leaders. Prophesy against them and say to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, Ho, shepherds of Israel, um, who have been feeding yourselves. <laughs> Should not the shepherds feed the sheep? They've been looking to their own interests, right? They're abusing the sheep. You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves in the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the sheep. I was I was reading a commentary on that line, verse 3. Yeah. You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves in the wool, and you slaughter the fatlings. All of those things historically were basically payment structures that shepherds could have. So oh. if you're a shepherd, nobody's a shepherd for free. So you did get paid, but part of your pay was being able to get some of the wool from the sheep that you um, tended and some of the fat portions and some of the animals that you all protect. That was actually part of the pay of a shepherd, right? Yeah. But a shepherd only gets paid, especially with something like this, if he does his job well. So he says, you're taking all the benefits, but the sheep are starving. You're actually not feeding any of them, right? Jeez. But you're taking all the benefits. The weak you have not slaughtered, the sick you have not healed, the crippled you have not bound up, and str the strayed you have not brought back. Which reminds me of Jesus' story in the New Testament, in Luke 15, about the lost sheep. Yeah. You haven't found the lost ones. Um, you haven't sought the lost, and with force and with harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. What's just happened to the whole nation of Israel? They were scattered. They They've brought in scattered. exile. So according to Ezekiel, why were they scattered? 
because the the king was bad. Because the, the shepherds king, didn't shepherd them. They and their kings were bad. Yeah, they needed to actually restore, have a restored kingdom. Yeah, and check this out. Um, your sheep, your sheep were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for the wild beasts. In every one of the books of the prophets, do you know what wild beasts represent? No. Pagan nations. Oh. Do you remember the vision of Daniel where he sees all those beasts coming out of the sea? Yeah. It's all pagan nations. So when you're reading about sheep being scattered and being fed on by wild beasts, yeah. the pagan nations are now feeding on all 12 tribes of Israel. Why? Because the kings have only looked to their own power. Man. And food and gluttony. It's pretty powerful. Um, it gets even worse. <laughs> One last thing. Just because the juxtaposition is really important. Yes. Uh, jump down to verse 7. It says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for the wild beasts since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds. And I will require my sheep at their hand, and I will put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed, them shall, feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths so that they may not be food for them. I mean, if, if you get the implication in, in between the lines, well, no, it's not in between the lines. What he says is not only are the shepherds not caring for the sheep, the shepherds, if you read it carefully, are actually eating the sheep. Yeah. You're eating your own people. You're destroying them and you're allowing them to be food for wild beasts. Therefore, God says, I'm against all of you kings. I turn myself against you. And what is he going to do? I'm going to come and I'm going to take my sheep back. And I'm going to put a stop to their feeding. Yeah. They the, will the not. Kings. Yeah. They will not just feed themselves. And, the, and not just the kings, the leaders, the priests, the ruling class. And then we get to our reading. And again, I, I think if you don't know the rest of this chapter, this isn't as profound. So it yeah. says in verse 11, where we come in, for thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. As a shepherd tends his flock when he finds himself among his scattered sheep, so I will tend my sheep. I'll rescue them from where they were scattered. When it was cloudy and dark, I myself will pasture my sheep. I will, I will give them rest. <clears throat> I will seek them out. Um, the injured I will bind up. The strayed I will bring back. I will heal the sick. All these things, which that's not novel ideas. When Jesus, when God says, I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to, I'm going to bind up the injured. I'm going to bring back those who have strayed. That's not a new idea. It was just in the previous chapter. It says that's simply the stuff that shepherd kings are supposed to do. Yes. So he says, I'm going to do it. So this, this is actually, um, this is, is, uh, what's the word? It's, uh, when, when there's no parallel to something, uh, unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> I wasn't thinking as academic as you, <laughs> but this is an unprecedented idea that God is, God himself is going to be the shepherd. Now, what's weird, in a few more verses, it actually says, um, Ezekiel gives another prophecy and says he's gonna ra God's going to raise up a Davidic king to guide them. Yes. And that has historically been one of the most problematic series of verses in the Old Testament. Because on one hand, it says God's going to become the, the king, the shepherd. On another hand, it says, no, 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 this Davidic figure is going to become the king, shepherd. So which one is it? When, well, I mean, as Catholics, I mean, that's, that's where we, we say yeah. both. And. It is both. God becomes a Davidic lineage figure, actually, this person, which is fascinating. But the way this ends, the reason we kind of jump to the end in this reading, it says, as for you, my sheep, says the Lord, I will judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. In other words, I think what, what I take from this end part is 
yes, there's these shepherds who are eating the sheep and they're casting them out and they're not healing them and they're losing them and all these different things. But in a certain sense, even the shepherd kings, even the shepherds are sheep to God. They're all his flock. And in his flock, there are actually some who are rising up over others in his flock and who are eating them and abusing them and have become power hungry and are not serving them. So they're all sheep. They're all goats. They're all rams. They're all in God's flock. And God's going to have to deal with both of those groups. So this is the prophecy that sets us up for our reading this week. Which is one of the things where uh, that's where people get frustrated actually sometimes with the Catholic church is that we really are all of those things. Like within the confines of the churches, we do have, we got it all. Yes. It's not like, um, and the fact that you are a sheep in a certain sense, you're a shepherd of this congregation, but you're also part of the flock of Archbishop Aquila and Pope Francis. And then ultimately God, I mean, Pope Francis is a part of the flock. Yes. He's, you know what I mean? We, we have these roles within the flock. And again, I think people look at the church and like, well, you just put yourself over everybody else and you think you're better. And it's this, you know, a bunch of old men in Rome and they're telling me what to do and they're controlling us. No, that's not it. We're actually all in the flock of the shepherd king who is God himself. Why do you smile at me like that? I, I just, I'm just enjoying the fact that, uh, that, um, we called our audience a bunch of sheep. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's never an honoring thing to be like, hey, (laughs) you're a sheep, you know, like, it's like, hey, you're a lemming, you know, you're like (laughs) a lemming. I wonder why God didn't choose that image. (laughs) Dude, which, by the way, that was a really great video game back in the day. Lemmings. Lemmings. Yeah. Um, But like, I I digress. I digress. (laughs) Yeah. But we are all in the midst of that. And I I'm wondering though why why you start to, to pull out the middle verses. It's just talking about um, how what how God as a shepherd is going to actually treat is good a good good grazing land and um, and I will make them lie down in good pastures and I will seek and bring back the strayed and I'll bind up the injured and strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong. But this is the thing. This is the weird one is the fat and the strong. I will destroy. I will feed them in in justice. Yeah. <laughs> I will feed them in justice. I will feed them. Injustice. No, in, I, injustice. Yeah, you can't say that one very no, easily. Like injustice is so easily yeah. said, but like, yeah, it, it, so there's some strange stuff in there where it would be hard to deal with. Yeah. The fat and the strong, I will destroy. I'm not quite sure about that one. Pastorally, or yeah. Well, I mean, that is what we just. That's what it. It's just re. Well, I mean, part of it, it it's a literary consistency. Because the first half of thirty chapter thirty four talks all about that. We didn't read the first half of chapter thirty four. So this linking piece, you're like, whoa, where did that come from? He's, what? What's with this punishment? I, I don't know. I'm trying to just, I kind of wish it was there. I do too. But I don't, there's, there's a reason it's not, and I don't know what that reason is. Dude, that's very the, humble of you. So that you can listen to the podcast and get the whole picture. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, and then, because <coughs> it, it actually ties us into Psalm 23. In yes. verdant pastures, he gives me repose. Mm. So th- this is the thing is that it, in some ways it's leading us. It's kind of, it's so it's that it's not redundant in the same sense. Like that's the some part of the sense that I'm making of it. Like, yeah. Besides restful water, he leads me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me in right paths for his name's sake. Mm. And uh, I, I mean, this is just exactly how the king is treating his servants, which is a really his sheep. You mean the good king? The good king, not the bad king. Not the bad ones. And And just saying like, 
this is actually a psalm that gives us solace. Like this is how God wants to be with us. Yeah. And and that's what we long for. I mean, and this is found in every funeral liturgy. I mean, like it's it's pretty consistently Psalm 23 ends up being said at many, many people's funerals because in the midst of it, it's like, oh yeah, Christ is the king and that this is actually how I'm going to be. He's going to give me rest. Like I think of heaven and I think of like, Chilling out in a meadow. <laughs> well, here's what's cool. Here's what I think is cool about this. Um, here, well, here's a thing that I think is cool. <laughs> <laughs> so in the same way that we are, in a very real sense, all part of the flock, we're all sheep. Yes. We even even Me. the head sheep Me. is still a sheep, right? Me. Even Pope Francis, even Archbishop Aquila, they're all sheep. <laughs> they're all a bunch of sheep. But they're all sheep because God alone is the shepherd. But in the same sense, though, um, we get to share... You, in a very particular way, an archbishop and and Pope Francis, all get to share in this particular role as shepherd as well. And you know, really, I, I, it's been said that when the apostles um, began the ministry of the church in the early days, they took this psalm as part of the inspiration for going out to find the lost sheep. It was it was the fact that we all have this vocation of sheep. We all have the role of sheep, Ooh. and we all simultaneously share the role of and the vocation of a shepherd in our respective parts of our lives. There are people that we are called to go out and seek and find. God is doing that through us because he is ultimately the shepherd. But we, all of us, and again, you in a very real way with the whole parish and Archbishop and Pope Francis in a very particular way. But even myself, you know, we all have our little flocks or we all have, we all, every Christian ought to have an awareness of the lost sheep. And realize that if we actually don't go out and find the sheep that are lost, there's no one else who's going to do it for us. Yes. God is going to do it through us. He's going to do it with us, but he's going to use us to do it. Yes. And it's not enough for, you know, I, I, I give a talk about this at the beginning of the year. I, I don't like it when we as Christians, and I do this all the time, we sit around and we look at the world and we look at the sin and we look at the media and we look at the camp, you know, look at see you out there. I mean, the, the sheer amount of stuff that goes on, we think, man, what boneheads, what idiots, what sinners, what awful stuff. And we can become like that Pharisee in the Gospels. Thank goodness I'm not like those people. And we have to realize that those are the lost sheep. And why are they lost? Well, I don't know why they're lost. Maybe they've misunderstood. Maybe they've been misled. Maybe they've been ignorant. But whose responsibility is that? Whose job is it to go and find them? Well, look around. Who else's job is it going to be? God is actually asking all of us to be shepherds because he is the shepherd. It doesn't rest on us, but because he is who he is, we have a very specific responsibility to go and find those people. And so if we see people who are lost and who are in grave sin, ought we not rather weep for them than mock them and make fun of them and think about what fools they are? Ought we not rather think, wow, how come no one's invited them in? Or if they've been invited to church, how come they didn't come? Or how come, what can I do to actually, what can I do? I should do something. But we rarely have the attitude, I should do something. We just think, I don't know. We think all sorts of things. Does that I, make any I, sense? I'm yeah, rambling yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I want uh, absolutely. It's it's leadership. It's leading by example. Like right. Christ as the King shows us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right. You come to the Father through Him by imitation of Him, yeah. the the King of the universe. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what's so awesome. <laughs> Indeed. 
Which leads us perfectly to First Corinthians. <laughs> Dude, that doesn't lead us nowhere. Hey, you don't know that. I know, you're right. You don't I just, know what I have to say about First Corinthians? Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you have to say because I myself have anything to say. I mean, like... You with, do or do not? I mean, I, have, I oh, always I have things stuff, to man. say. Oh, yeah. Because <clears throat> one of my favorite moments and favorite comparisons is looking at the at Jesus as the new Adam. Oh, yeah, he does bring that up. Can I give just a, a, a word of content for a context first? Dude, before context, we get into content, con, let's context, context before content. Let's <laughs> contextualize and simonize and harmonize with our eyes. Hammer the content stake in there. <laughs> oh, context. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, Corinthians, the Corinth, don't look, it just give it. I know, it's I know there's a little there. bit of smoke there. coming out of my ear well, right now. Cause I'm like trying to figure out like, no, you how can we make this into a no, metaphor? I know it doesn't work. I tried. That's okay. I give up. You tried. It was a, it was a round peg in a square hole. Yeah. It was a tent peg. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Um, the church in Corinth was a mess to say the least, right? This is a disaster of a church. Yes. Um, they were coming from pagan backgrounds. By and large, they're not a Jewish. They're not a primary, predominantly Jewish Christian church. They're coming from all sorts of different backgrounds. So, one of the things we know about them is that they would have, well, they would have carried all sorts of views about the afterlife. They would have carried. I think we talked about this last week or the week before. They would have certainly been carrying some brand of what we call Gnosticism with them in their worldviews. And Gnosticism was essentially this, this idea, this philosophy, this ism where um, the, the physical world, the material world, was considered bad and evil and sinful and would drag you down. And spiritual realities were what we should strive for. So we ought to transcend our physical bodies, which are kind of prison cells, so that we can achieve this sort of spiritual nirvana. Does that make sense? Well, there, let, me, let, me, let me clarify that. There's two flip sides to this, to okay. Gnosticism. Gnosticism plays itself out in two major ways. Number yep. one, either... The body's bad, so you know bodily things or sexual things are very taboo and to be avoided, so that we can transcend. It's it's, it's similar to, to certain um, branches of Buddhism or, or Hinduism. The idea of transcendence of the physical. This the body is sort of a cell, prison cell that that we need to transcend and get beyond because it will hold of, us down. Kind of like the guy on the um, on the Pearl Street Mall who puts himself into a box. No, no, he he plays a uh, he plays a sitar. And it's like, and he's like, and he goes, I am not my body. My body is not me. That's it. No, that's exactly it, though. That's Gnosticism. And that's heretical to the view of the church. You are your body. Your body is you. Your body, soul, composite. So one way to look at it is that, yeah, there's this In your face, sitar. (laughs) There's this detachment and things of the body are bad. Or it can play itself out how it's more commonly being played out in Corinthians and our modern culture, which is, you know what, your body doesn't really matter. It's going to die one day. You're going to be food for the worms. You're going to be in the ground. Your soul will go somewhere else. So eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. You can do whatever you want to this body. It's which disposable, no right? Yes. It's the same philosophy, just a different application of it. And yeah. they're equally problematic. Yes. Right? Either the body is bad and you shouldn't do anything, or the body is whatever, and you can do whatever you want with it. They're both different branches of, of Gnosticism. So... Into that sort of philosophical thinking, Paul is bringing this new idea that, guess what? Jesus died and his body was resurrected. And you, too, who believe in Jesus, you will have bodies again. So if you have this worldview that either your body is bad and to be escaped from, or that your body is just dispensable and kind of useless, then it's a strange thing to wrap your mind around the fact that 
why wait why is it good that we're going to have bodies again <coughs> so yeah. the corinthians have asked paul basically to explain what is this resurrection of the dead what does this mean what does this look like uh, number one just what are the mechanics of it how did that actually happen how does that work yeah and number two what is that <laughs> What does that mean for us? You have a hair in your mouth? Yeah, I do. I'm not, I'm not even talking. Get it out. It was the worst. Oh, I'm in this prison cell of a body of mine. Uh, no, I think that the timing gets pretty funny, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a, oh, I got it. Oh, dude, that's a victory. <laughs> okay. Um, but So that's the context. So into And praise be to God, they asked him the question, because if they hadn't, we would not have had nearly as much knowledge as the church has about the nature of the resurrection. Gnosis of it? Ah, uh, gnosis. Because ah. he that, gives that, us chapter 15. Well, that, that, that's part of the other, uh, that's the other part of, of uh, Gnosticism yeah. is, that, is that salvation comes through knowledge. Yes. Not through any sort of action. It's just some sort of... And I know more than you do. And if you want to be let in, then you should buy my book because mer- that's how. Yeah, me, 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 I mean, that's kind of what, yeah, that's I know exactly more than not, you do. That's it's what, like, that's what Gnosticism is. Yeah. And that's, and every, and it's very seductive. I it mean, is. that's seductive to this day. Gnosticism exactly. is everywhere. Oprah. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> oh, <shit>. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere you look. Yeah. The secret is a perfect that's one. What I, that's what I'm thinking of, right? It's all you have to do is say the, the word secret and you're like, oh. oh, there's this hidden. And we all love the idea of secret, hidden wisdom and knowledge. I mean, Turn on any show on the Discovery Channel or or the National Geographic. It's always like secrets of something, like <laughs> the Vatican's secrets, what the Vatican's not telling you. Secrets of the Bible, the hidden books that the church doesn't want you to know about. Yeah. We love this stuff, right? We're totally drawn in, despite the fact the church spoke loudly and clearly on this 2,000 years ago and says, no, this is not a secret we're keeping. Ain't no good. But we love to speak about things that way, because if there's some secret that I can tap into... Then I have power over you. You yes. do not know the secret. Yes. Anyway, so in, it's in that, <laughs> so it's in that sense that Paul then launches into talking about um, this idea of the resurrection, right? So, brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And you brought up the Adam and the, the Adam well, and Christ thing. Well, yeah. Well, well <coughs> that's the thing is that the first fruits of all who have fallen asleep. He is like the sacrifice. He is, yeah. He's. It's the. It's a. It's the old. What the Old Testament sacrifice is supposed to be. Yeah. Is this moment of of this true offering of the very best? So, apply what you just said back to the first reading. The king. I've got, the, a, the, a dot just connected in my two dots. No, connect, dude, connect, 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 just I, connect I'm not as you there. said that because I I haven't totally figured out what to do with this reading for the purposes of the gospel. Yeah. But this is this is it. You said it, even though you don't realize you said it. The shepherds of the Old Testament were bad shepherds. Why? Because they were feeding themselves. They were abandoning their sheep. They weren't looking for the mm. lost. What is the mark of a particularly good shepherd? The, uh, good sacrifice. What if something is threatening your flock? Then you offer yourself. You risk yourself. For yes. You offer yourself. You die for your flock if you have to, because that's yes. what... It means to be a shepherd who gives themselves entirely to their flock. So what is this describing? It's not just this neat little theological diatribe about the resurrection and how neat it is that Christ has offered this perfect sacrifice, just like, you know, in, in, the, in the, the mirror of Adam and all these things. It's showing, okay, so 
The prophecy said God was going to be the shepherd king. What does that actually look like? What does that mean? Well, Paul says this is what it means. Yes. This is what it mean for a sh- means for a shepherd to love his flock to the end. Well, and that's exactly why I love <clears throat> this connection to Adam. Because what was Adam had to face off against the ancient serpent, and yeah. there was a certain expectation that he had that he had to die, that he had to face death. I think so. And and he and and Eve did a negotiation so that he didn't have to die. Well, Adam, I mean, the scriptures are clear that Adam was there the whole time. Yeah, he yeah. just stood there yeah, quietly. Yeah. And she, and she acted when right. he needed to. Right. Right. And she did a negotiation because she loved her husband. Yeah. I really think that it was actually motivated out of love, but it was the wrong choice. Right. I and agree. so so Adam out of love acts and doesn't make them negotiate, does not make compromises in the midst of it. Yes. And that's why I love the comparison between the two, because it yeah. helps us to understand that we really are meant to give of ourselves. I gave a homily a couple weeks ago, and, and I, I said that my new motto is die every day. Hmm. And, uh, and I was like, I'm not going to make any T-shirts or anything about it. And a parishioner actually made a set of T-shirts oh. f- for me that's, really? that says die every day. Wow. Yeah, and I was like I was like I like it cuz it's so punk rock. Um but I actually think that it's it's actually it's a really good it's a really good thing to remind. I mean, talk about you know putting on the breastplate of righteousness. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the modern breastplate. Yeah, it's just just to say no, I'm going to die every day. I'm going yeah. to actually give of myself every day regardless of whether I'm sinful or not sinful. I am going to imitate Christ in this in this self-offering and I like I really think it's a it's a profound gift to me to remind me of this commitment to this this notion to imitate Christ and to say I'm willing to die every day. That's really good. Yeah, it's, it's because because that then we're participating in the first fruits. Then we're actually doing the right thing. That moment when you say Man, I'm going to push it into gear and I'm going to do that one little extra. I'm going to go that little extra mile and die to my own right. preferences because <clears throat> if I'm not doing that, man, everything's hard. But everything if I am hard. doing it, then I get to be with the king it's gonna be of hard. the universe. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> it's going to be hard regardless. Yes. It's a lot easier if you as my dad would, as my dad would say, you know, you can choose. Everybody got to suffer. He said, you can either suffer doing the will of God or mm. avoiding the will of God. That's Your it. choice. No, that's it exactly. And I'm like, I'll, I'll think I'll it. choose the latter one sometimes because the other one's scary. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, you're a hard man sowing where you did not reap. Mm. And you're like, no, that's wrong. Mm. That's the wrong spirit. So I'm just going to bury my head in the sand. Mm. But then when the Son of Man comes in glory in our ah. gospel today. Gospel. We are actually going to be, <clears throat> we're going to actually be held for real deal accountable, which is kind of scary. Yeah. This is sort of at the tail end of all these parables about the kingdom that Jesus has been telling. And uh, it, let's see, does it call Which are real it? oracles of judgment. This real, is a, real, real deal ones. This is like, okay, we're at the end of time. And Jesus is about to soar. I think that that's why I like the Christ, the king of the universe. Bum, bum, bum. And this is the last one. This is the capstone one. Because the yeah. next line, verse 26, chapter 26, says, when Jesus had finished all of these sayings. So this is what, so he's been talking about parables for a long time. This is his capstone statement. Boom. Boom. This, is, this is his takeaway. So when the, Jesus said to his disciples, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... In other words, in royalty and in, in regal bearing, you know, I mean, when he comes in his glory, that's that's a, that that language is language for a royal entrance. So when the Son of Man comes as king, literally, and the angels with him, he'll sit upon his glorious throne. This one we've been talking about, right? This shepherd king is going to have, 
And all the nations will be assembled before him, all the sheep, all the goats, all the stuff, and he and all the wild beasts, right, according to Ezekiel. They're all there. And, and, <clears throat> and sheep will be on his right, and goats go to hell. <laughs> sheep go to heaven, goats, goats go, go to hell. Is that... Cake. Cake. I hate cake. I, I mean, the chocolate cake? What about no, angel food cake? No, I have bad memories of the band cake. No, rightly so. They they have some they weird... Some, they, they have like... They, they make me real, feel bad inside. Even even the mention of their name makes well, me feel because there's some like weird happy. pentagram and devil stuff with them. Oh, I didn't even know that. It oh, was just yeah. literally an, a, a guttural feeling. Oh yeah, yeah. They've mm. got they've got bad juju. Okay. So anyway, so goats, sheep, and goats. Okay. Um, we kind of know this story. So here here's the deal. He's gonna separate the sheep from the goats. He's gonna place the sheep on his right, the goats on his left, and he'll say. Uh, what does he say? He's gonna. The king is gonna say to those who are on his right, "Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world." And they did all these corporate works of mercies, and they didn't know it. Right. You fed him. Uh, yeah. Clothed you fed him. Me when I was ill. Hungry, clothed me. And they said, "Wait, when did we feed you? When we you were hungry? We gave you oregano oil when you were sick." That is definitely one of the corporal works of mercy. It is, and and then they're and he's going to say, "Whatever you did to little ones, least of my brothers, you did for you me." Did for me. And then he's going to say to his goats, "Depart from me, you accursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for all these corporate works of mercies you didn't do." And they're like, "When did we not do them?" <clears throat> and then he will say, "Whatever you did not do for the least ones, you did not do for me, and these will go off to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life." So here's my question about this. Hit me. I heard a talk once. Talk to me. Um, a, an exchange between an Orthodox priest, an Eastern Orthodox priest, okay, and a very, very well-known Catholic apologist. Okay. And I won't say his name. Very famous. Um, he was smoked by this Orthodox priest. So the Orthodox guy, or maybe there was a third party. Yeah, they, they, were, they were boxing smoker. Well, you know, you know, I know, I know. They were doing some. They were, they were, they, they were doing the battle that wizards do. Battle of, of the woods. Um, but basically, the Catholic guy was asked, "If you were to die today, could you be assured of your salvation?" And he said, "Well, you know, I've, I've actually recently gone to confession. You know, I, I I'm not conscious of any serious sin." On my soul. So because I went to confession very recently, there's, I'm not conscious of any serious sin. Yes, I can be fairly, you know, fairly, fairly confident of, of that salvation. You know, we can never be sure. And he, he gave that caveat, but yeah. yeah, I can be pretty confident. And then the Orthodox priest said, wait a second, what about Matthew 25? And he said, what do you mean? And he went through, he's like, think about it. Here is all these goats, these people who had committed a sin that is apparently worthy of damnation, Right going to hell for not feeding and clothing and giving drink, they were totally unaware that they had done that. So he said, is it possible, is it theoretically possible that there are sins that you've committed that are worthy of damnation that you are actually not even aware of? Maybe you should be. Maybe they're, they're reasonable ignorance. We don't know. But doesn't Matthew 25 show that that is a possibility? And he said, well, he was kind of stumped. And he said, let me rephrase the, let me rephrase the question. I, or I forget exactly what happened. Maybe somebody said, well, how do you, do you feel about your salvation? You know, do you feel confident in yours? Yeah. And he says, here's what I would do. Here's what would happen. If I was in this group on this day with Jesus and the sheep were separated from the goats, what they should have said, there, there's a should have to this story. It's not, we, we kind of see Jesus in this. And I, th- I was, I was very moved by this, but we see Jesus at this. Okay. Here's what happened. They're going off one way. They're going off the other way. 
what if rather than these goats saying, wait a second, what are you talking about? We didn't see you there. We didn't, we didn't, we, we had no way of knowing this. Instead of being on the defensive and trying to get themselves off the hook, which is really what Adam and Eve were doing. Hey, it wasn't our fault. Hey, Eve made me do it. No, the serpent made me do it, right? Yeah. Everybody's passing the buck. Yeah. What if the goats had said, we had no idea. We're sorry. Please show your mercy to us. We didn't realize that we should have been doing that. We're sorry. We should have known. Forgive us. Yeah. What do you think would have happened to the goats? Yeah, well, there we are. I mean, absolutely. I mean, mercy would are. have been granted. Uh, what do you think would have happened to Adam and Eve if when God approached them and said, what have you done? Instead of saying, well, she made me do it. No, she made me do it. Well, really, God, it's your fault for giving me the woman. What if they had said, God, we're sorry. Forgive us. I mean, that, I don't know what that would have looked like, but it would have changed the whole the whole path of human existence, the whole chart of salvation history, if they'd simply set, thrown themselves on God's mercy. Yes. Because what are all these pointing to? That God is a merciful shepherd king. He's not out for his own interests. He's not out to lose the sheep. He's not out to let them fester in their own wounds and brokenness. He wants to mend their wounds. He wants to find their lost. He wants to seek them out. He wants to lay their, his life down for them. If the sheep will reject the shepherd... There's nothing ultimately the shepherd can do. Yeah, and and this is and and the truth is is that any leader knows that you get what you measure. Okay. So if if I'm measuring um in in management and I'm here and I'm saying like okay are you showing up to work on time yes you know and are you doing are you doing the, the job that you're supposed to do? yes we we as humans we're trying to kind of get away with stuff. Well, you know, like, totally. you know, totally. I, I really would rather not, I'd rather do less than more totally, unless I'm super intrinsically motivated. And that's, uh, and, and, and that's actually where, but we will find an excuse for why that's exact, legitimate. Exactly. We're going to find an excuse rather than saying, no, I'm going to die every day. And I'm going to actually be intrinsically motivated to follow after what God has already done. And because this is the thing is that where is Jesus? Jesus lives in all of these. Mm. Clothing the naked, restoring sight to the blind, setting those captive free to yeah. bring healing and to to be a shepherd, and it, and and it comes at the cost of himself. I mean, he can't even get away to go pray to be with the Father. Right? Like he he he, he ultimately he has to actually give absolutely everything in the midst of that. But but this parable is meant to say, no, these here's some criteria by which I'm measuring. You can actually. Have courage if you're going out and you're doing those things that you're going to be okay. And I also heard um, somebody was telling me the other day they were they were talking to a bishop and in uh, spiritual direction and mm. and uh, the bishop uh, said to them, um, you know, if you just measure your spiritual life on whether or not you've been chased or not, mm. then you you're missing out on what your spiritual life is. This is not just a game on whether or not you've been chased or not. This is, you actually have, or you have greater demands than just, okay, am I in sin or out of sin? Kind of like that orthodox uh, apologist yeah, thing. Right. And and then and then just on top of that, I remember Archbishop Shapu at, at a at a gathering for Catholic Charities. In, uh, at, at, at Red, Red Rocks. Rocks. Were you there? Yeah. Me too. And, and he said, unless you feed the poor, you <gasps> are going, going to, to hell. hell. And and I was sitting and there. And then he just let it hang. Oh my gosh, I've never heard anybody it let it hang like that. And then he repeated it. 
And then he repeated it and let it hang again. And I was like, I was like, this is the most courageous man that I've ever met. Just because seriously, you, we we don't have a tendency to want to ever say no. <laughs> there is the possibility that we're not going to be saved. Yes, but 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 it's it's not about salvation or not salvation. It's saying I am Christ, the King of the universe. No, <laughs> and <laughs> and, I, and and this is actually what I expect. I expect you to participate in the mission of bringing my salvation to the world. And if you're not on team with me and actually acting, if you're trying to just sit on your laurels and not and just say like, how little can I possibly do to get a way to get into heaven? Yeah, you, the, you, your judgment's already come upon you. Right, right. And 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 that's where the shepherd, and that's where it, the connection to say no, the shepherding mm. that has to go on throughout every single one of his sheep. Because we are both shepherd and sheep simultaneous. We are both and. Yeah. Because we've been yeah. sheep brought into the shepherd. We yes. are we are the body of Christ. We are a temple built of living stones. Yes. That 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 is the demand that's placed upon us, and that if we actually join ourselves to the true and first fruits, first fruits by dying every day, by actually saying I'm going to leave my personal preference and I'm going to go, I'm going to do, I'm going to mm. act. Now, now we're living. Mm. Now, uh, this is this is something that's good and beautiful and true and and uh, and 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 the, which is worthy of recognition from the King of the Universe. Absolutely, who will say, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're one of mine. Come on." Yeah, and I'll say, "Bah, <laughs> let's go, let's go into heaven, into the meadow." That's super creepy. <laughs> you're creepy. You're creepy. Yeah, thanks. Oh. All right, everybody. <laughs> well, on that happy note. On, on that happy note, none of you are creepy. No, not one of you. <laughs> okay, one of you is. Two of you. Okay. We're not going to tell you who. Nope. Um, y'all, hear the voice of the shepherd and follow after him. Um, don't fake the funk. Keep it real. <laughs> Look us up on Facebook. And, uh, and Facebook, Twitter. And enjoy the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the, the universe. universe. Bum, bum, bum. And we'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.